0: Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing
1: chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr Anthony Coxon, these podcasts
0: explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice.
1: Well, hi everyone and welcome to another Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. Um, You probably are already aware that uh, October 20 to 22 is the CAA annual conference uh, this year in Canberra and we've got some fantastic lineup of keynote speakers and I'm fortunate enough to be speaking to one of them today. Now, this particular chiropractor, and has got a bit of a famous family as you'll uh, recognize uh, shortly. Um, she started a professional career, uh, in fact, as a nurse, as in fact, a few chiropractors I know have. And after working some time in the ICU uh, for a year or so, she began her studies at a Logan College of Chiropractic where she graduated summa cum laude, apparently that's highest distinction, um, an American term, we, most of us Australians probably won't know that one. Uh, and she completed her diagnostic imaging residency at Logan in 2015. She received her bar in October of 2015, becoming the first second generation bar in chiropractic history. Maybe you've already clued on to uh, who her famous family uh, are. Uh, she's uh, performed editorial review of the Journal of Chiropractic Medicine and she serves as an associate editor for the Journal of the Academy of Chiropractic Orthopaedics. Dr. Yokum has published many articles uh, that have been peer reviewed uh, and lectured around the country from uh, in the US, uh, in uh, Europe, and very soon, of course, in Australia. She'll be here, as I said, for the CAA National Conference in Canberra from uh, October 20 to 22. So all the way from Denver, Colorado, Dr. Alicia Yocum, welcome to the CAA podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and I'm really looking forward to being able to come to Australia and spend some time with you guys and give you guys some lectures and I'm just really looking forward to it.
1: Fantastic. I, I, I've got to get this out of the way first of all. Of course, you've got a pretty famous surname. Um, I, I, there's, I certainly I can't think of a chiropractor that doesn't own or has at least heard of the essentials of skeletal radiology and your father Terry Yocum along with the, the late great Lindsay Rowe authored this famous text. Tell me what was it like growing up with um, you know, a, a dad that was so prominent in the chiropractic profession?
0: Yeah. So, like you mentioned, I went on. I did nursing school before I went into chiropractic. So, for me, it kind of wasn't even, and it didn't hardly register on my radar. Really, what he had accomplished with the chiropractic radiology tech um, when I started to get a little disillusioned and not real happy with nursing and decided to do chiropractic. That's really when it kind of hit in. It set in, and it kind of hit me. You know this is kind of a big deal, this textbook, you know? Um, and going through school, I will say it was, it was interesting because teachers all, all knew and whenever they would take attendance, they would say, um, do you happen to be related to Terry Yoakum? And I would always say, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> yep. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting journey for me. Um, sometimes more exciting than others, but, um, I was never, uh, never pressured into doing what I'm doing. I, I, As you know, I mean, I was a nurse beforehand, so I had no intention of doing radiology and chiropractic. It just kind of was kind of meant to be because nursing just didn't really seem to work out for me.
1: Well, it seems like it was your your fate, and as it was meant to be, as you said, you obviously get along very well because, yeah, is it true you practice together in in, uh, Denver?
0: Yeah, we do practice together. Um, When I got done with my fellowship uh, in St. Louis, I moved back to Denver. That was about a year and a half ago, and I joined his practice. Um, I'm all set up here in in his office, and it makes it really, really nice. We get along along really well, um, obviously, Um, but it makes it nice for me because as a newer radiologist, there's always things you want to ask your mentors and kind of make sure that you're on the right track for stuff. So it's nice to just be in the office next to him. I can just pop over and say, hey, Dad, what do you think about this? So it's really, really, really nice for me.
1: Well, as wonderful as your father is, this is all about you today of course alicia so let's uh, let 's move <laughs> on to your stuff now uh, i 've been looking through your research, and from what i 've seen so far you 've uh, obviously published um, a number of really interesting cases, uh, often involving surprise diagnosis when Patients have presented for musculoskeletal care, I know you've done some um, studies on fibrous dysplasia, Kinebox disease, which um, I'd forgotten all about, so, um, and myocytes, ossificans, just to name a few. Uh, these sort of unusual presentations, are these uh, things that you see in your clinic and then you go ahead and, and write up a paper on it, or, or people sending you uh, these uh, cases?
0: No, these cases that I've published, a lot of them were during my residency in radiology. So they present to a chiropractic clinic. A lot of times it was presenting to the Logan uh, Chiropractic Clinic for the school. And then within their workup, they came down for radiology, whether that was x-ray or ultrasound or whatever it is we did on them. And then that case went on to publication and a lot of times we um, will try and include the clinician in that so that we have the complete patient picture, the clinical workup, along with the radiology and kind of what ended up happening with the patient. So they're not, they're not cases that are sent to me, they're cases that are coming in um, and I'm actively participating in their, in their patient management.
1: Okay, so, so tell us about some of the interesting cases and, and um, some of the interesting publications.
0: Yeah, so I mean, one that kind of stands out to me was the myositis ossificans traumatica case. Um, it was a young teenage patient that was a hurdler, and he was going over a hurdle and didn't make it quite all the way over the top, right. um, and smacked his femur down into the the hurdle, and he didn't actually seek care for a couple weeks after that. I think it was about four weeks or so before he presented to the clinic. Um, and he had knee pain and a lot of restricted range of motion. Uh, and he came down and they actually did an x ray to make sure that he hadn't fractured anything. And what we saw in the x ray was a little bit of calcification in the soft tissues. So, what happens when someone has a big hematoma like that? Um, he smacked his femur into the hurdle, he got a hematoma within his muscle, and it went on to calcify. And that is myositis ossificans traumatica. Um, so, it was kind of a, it was a good case because we were able to then do ultrasound on it and we followed it for a couple months and saw that it really went on to a lot of calcification Um, and it showed us really how detailed of imaging we can get with diagnostic ultrasound because the calcification was very, very, very subtle on the x-ray but it was very, very obvious on the ultrasound. So it was a nice way to monitor it and then with ultrasound we don't give the patient radiation. So that was a really nice plus when someone 's not skeletally mature is we can monitor it without radiation.
1: So I guess this is a nice segue into my next question firstly it's, um, it's surprising for me that um, myositis esoph- esophagans shows up on an x-ray after just two weeks i didn 't realize that the calcification happens as quickly as that, uh, but secondly, just in uh, following that, um, you've gone on to sort of a more advanced. Uh, imaging studying and and your emphasis is on diagnostic ultrasound is it in Australia we use this quite a lot uh, not so much chiropractors but uh, we'll often refer out to um, uh, radiographers for you know things like rotator cuff injuries you know identifying bursitis muscular tears and so forth is is this the sort of diagnostic ultrasound that you're talking about
0: it is the diagnostic ultrasound we're talking about it the most research that's been done with it has been done with rotator cuff tears in the shoulder. but it is great for diagnosing a lot of different soft tissue injuries, um, ligament injuries, muscular injuries, the bursitis like you were talking about. Uh, uh, It's great because it's a dynamic scan. So not only can we look for tearing in a muscle, but we could look for impingement in a shoulder, um, put the patient through motions and see if they are getting impingement and then find out exactly what is impinging. Um, So we also see blood flow with it. So we can kind of date an injury, meaning if it was a really recent injury, we usually see a lot of blood flow. If it's an older injury, we may see the the abnormality, but there's not a lot of blood, blood flow there. So it's an older type injury. So it's a really great modality. Um, it, it does sound like you guys have been using it for a while, but it is a relatively, it's growing in America. So I'm really, really happy to hear that you guys will be pretty familiar with it. When I talk um, at the conference in October, I will show you guys some cases uh, um, that I've done through my fellowship and now I do scans for an imaging center here in, in Denver. Um, and I've collected some cases that are just good examples of how we can see Achilles tendon tears really easily, really anything that's superficial on the body. Um, but it is growing in America. I did this at Logan. I was, They've been doing it for about six or seven years now. So we've been trying to kind of introduce it. Um, it just hasn't quite spread as much as we... I would have hoped by now, but we're we're working on it.
1: So I guess in Australia, one of one of the considerations when um, uh, chiropractors or other health practitioners are referring out for these sorts of imaging studies is maybe comparing the value of say an ultrasound to an MRI. Let's take the case of say a rotator cuff injury. I, I mean, from my perspective, it's also I guess a a patient expense thing. An MRI is a, a more sophisticated uh, and more expensive uh, diagnostic test. Uh, Do you get more bang for your buck from an MRI than an ultrasound or does the ultrasound really give you everything you need?
0: So in the shoulder, it really kind of depends on what you're looking for. So if we just take an example of the rotator cuff, they've done research where they've looked at rotator cuff tears and we'll talk about full thickness rotator cuff tears. So someone has a full thickness tear and they've compared ultrasound to just a standard MRI of the shoulder and then an MRI arthrogram, where they inject contrast into the joint, and they compared full thickness tears and our ability to diagnose them, the sensitivity and specificity um, for each modality. And what they found was that when you're looking for a full thickness tear, the sensitivity and specificity for a standard MRI and an ultrasound is exactly the same. So if you're just looking for rotator cuff tearing, an ultrasound will give you the same diagnosis as an MRI.
1: Wow, that's... Um, with that's, the
0: same amount of accuracy.
1: Wow, that's a real surprise. I don't think a lot of people out there would be aware of those things. So so when might you decide, you know, for, for yourself, for example, um, this person needs an MRI for their shoulder instead of, a, instead of an ultrasound or maybe as well as an ultrasound?
0: Yeah, so um, when you get outside the realm of rotator cuff or biceps tendon injury type thing, um, if we talk about the labrum, Uh, We cannot see the labrum well with ultrasound. So if you think Uh, someone has a labral tear, an ultrasound is going to be a waste of time and money for the patient. They just need to get an MRI. Um, The other big thing is with ultrasound, we can't see into the bone. So the sound waves reflect right off the bone, and we can't see anything. So... We talk about bone marrow edema or um, processes that happen, such as a tumor within the bone. We cannot see that. We can see the surface of the bone, but we can't see in it. So it's a really big limitation of ultrasound um, is that we really can only see the cortex um, as well as the labrum. We can't see that. But outside of that, I mean, we really can see quite a bit with ultrasound as long as the person who's doing it uh, has been trained and really knows what they're looking at.
1: And I guess there is, uh, I'd imagine, quite an art to to getting a good ultrasound scan, is there?
0: There is. I mean, there's a lot of protocols that exist out there for making sure that you're getting all the right images. But I've been doing ultrasound now um, all through my residency. I've been doing it for about six and a half, almost seven years here. And there's still stuff that I learn every day because anatomy is so complex. And it's different in every patient. I mean, as chiropractors, we know that anatomy is different for everyone. Um, so when you're looking at someone's shoulder, sometimes it's a little bit of a mystery. Okay, well, what am I looking at here? Is this just normal anatomy? You have to know your anatomy so well to be able to say like, oh, that's just a muscle that's going in a different direction or um, nope, that's actually torn. So it, it, there's a lot of user dependence and and. Tr- Training that comes into it, but it can be such a great modality when when you when you know what you're looking at.
1: Uh, one of the things that's also very become rather popular in Australia is uh, PRP, the uh, platelet rich plasma injections, and I, I understand a lot of them are ultrasound guided. Also, is that something that's commonly used in in the states?
0: Yeah, it is something that PRP and stem cell injections and uh, tenotomy under ultrasound guidance, all that kind of stuff is becoming very prominent here. Just the regenerative medicine kind of field. Um, I'm working with a company right now that trains a lot of medical doctors uh, to do those types of procedures under. I think it's really important that it's under ultrasound guidance personally because if you're going to be putting something as important and a lot of times as expensive as PRP and stem cells into a location, you want to make sure you're putting it in the exact location that it's supposed to go so ultrasound guidance becomes I think really really important when you're doing those types of injections uh, specifically so you've got got really great accuracy.
1: Very good now I know uh, you're going to be talking doing a couple of talks in uh, Australia prior to Um, uh, the CAA annual conference and we'll talk a little bit more about the dates and places for those but um, it's not just about ultrasound it's a you're you're talking quite a bit about biomechanics uh, and doing some work with foot levelers as well.
0: Yeah I am Um, I did some research that hasn't been published yet but I'll share some of the kind of results the preliminary results with you guys and my research focused on the effect of biomechanics of the foot and how it translates up the kinetic chain and particularly into the lumbar spine. So what we ended up doing, I'll give you a little taste of it. Um, What we ended up doing was we took uh, participants that were not pronated. So we took 17 people, um, or 21 total, 17 people were in our treatment group that had no excessive pronation. And we took an insert and we put it into their shoe that forced them into abnormal excessive pronation. So we created an abnormal mechanic in the patient. Um, And they wore that for four weeks and we monitored them for pain pretty much anywhere. It's the only thing we did was put something into their shoe. Uh, We monitored them from pain. We also looked at biomechanics utilizing the overhead squat position, which which is a very well-researched position where we can look for specific biomechanical faults when they go into a functional squatting position. And we also monitored them with with, uh, MRI to look to see if the altered mechanics change the physiology within their bone to see inflammation within their bone in the form of bone marrow edema. So we looked at the whole kinetic chain going up their, from their foot all the way up to their low low back. So that was kind of the, the premise of our research um, to kind of see what just abnormal mechanics of the foot can do to our, our pretty much entire lower extremity and lumbar spine.
1: And so uh, is it, is the, do we find out the, the results uh, when, if people come to the CA conference or were you, are you happy to share at least a little bit of a sneak peek as to what the result was? Oh, I'll
0: share a little bit of a sneak peek. <laughs> um, we did find some bone marrow edema that translated all the way up into the lumbar spine. Um, so we had a couple participants develop bone marrow edema in the lumbar spine and a, all of our participants had low back pain. So right. it just really proves that when a patient comes into your office, um, the number one complaint when a patient walks into your office, what is it for you?
1: Well, low back pain, like most chiropractors, I would imagine. <laughs> low back pain, <laughs>
0: yeah. We like to I think mean, otherwise, number but... One complaint, <laughs> low... Yeah, number one complaints, low back pain. Number two is usually neck pain. So yep. um, it just kind of shows us that just because they're coming in with low back pain, the patient's not going to be the one that says to you, um, please look at my foot and make sure that I'm functioning appropriately yes. from the ground up. Um, you have to know that the foot can play a part in that. And the research really helps to prove that because we changed one thing in the foot and they had low back pain. Yes. Um, And then a couple of them did have physiological, imageable change. I mean, as radiologists, we want to be able to see things. We want to see pain. And and we can't really do that. I mean, um, we can't use one specific modality and say like, oh, that's right where your pain is. Wouldn't it be great if we could just take an X-ray and there's a big white spot that says that's where your pain is or something. Yes. Um, we can't really do that. So but with, with MRI and bone marrow edema, it's been proven that bone marrow edema is painful. So it's the closest thing that we have to imaging pain. Um, so it's pretty huge that we changed one thing and had physiological imageable change seen in the lumbar spine. So you'll have to come to the seminar to hear the rest of it. But I did give you a little bit of a teaser that
1: uh, I'll definitely be there Alicia don't worry and I'm sure a lot of other people will I hope for those poor uh, participants that uh, they were able to get uh, appropriate uh, foot level orthotics and uh, some good chiropractic care after four weeks of uh, you know being in overly pronated
0: yeah they 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 didn't get any care during the treatment uh, during the study obviously because I don't want that to interfere but they did receive care afterwards and they all were pain-free um, so but oh, they, good. they did didn't like me during the study, I can tell you that. They, they were complaining a lot.
1: <laughs> they, they weren't poor chiropractic students, were they?
0: They were chiro- <laughs> chiropractic students,
1: yes. Oh, well, that, that, that's, that's to be expected. it's a, a, a rightful passage.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs>
1: So just um, for the listeners out there, um, just so you're aware, obviously Alicia's got some great information to share with you and uh, Foot Levelers have put on uh, two seminars leading up to the CAA conference in Sydney on Wednesday the 18th of October from 7 to 9pm and then in Canberra on Thursday the 19th of October also from 7 to 9pm and I believe they're free. Is that right Alicia? i believe so yeah okay so and you can just go to the foot levelers uh website uh footlevelers.com.au to get information and register for that um, I must, I've been to a few of, uh, these foot leveler um, seminars and I've always picked up something that, that's really been useful. So, um, so that will be great. And for those that are, are fortunate enough to be at the CA uh, annual conference, uh, I think you're speaking on the, the Friday afternoon before the sort of official start on Saturday as well. Is that right, Alicia?
0: Yes, I believe it is. Friday afternoon, um, I pull my calendar out and give you the times. Friday, I'm speaking from two... 30 to 530. And that's on specifically the research that I just spoke about. And then Saturday, I'm speaking from 4 to 5pm. And then Sunday, I'm speaking from from 8 to nine thirty in the morning
1: okay so it's gonna be a great conference so hopefully we'll see lots and lots of chiropractors there and uh, get there early so you can uh, you can hear Alicia on uh, on the Friday between two thirty and five thirty. that's fantastic Alicia thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule just to uh, to whet the appetite uh, for those chiropractors out there and uh, certainly they can hear a lot more uh, about you and your work uh, in come October
0: Of course. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to be able to come and talk to everyone.
1: Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you again. We really appreciate uh, your participation in the CAA podcast today. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Go forward with passion and purpose, and we look forward to chatting with you again on our next CAA podcast.